two Old Testament readings today. Our custom is to have one Old Testament reading and one New Testament reading, but I'd like to read once more Genesis 2, 1 through 3 as a reminder of the fact that it was uh, the text in Genesis that prompted this prolonged study of the Sabbath. Uh, But then also I would like to read Isaiah 58, Isaiah chapter 58, uh, which concludes with some remarks about the Sabbath day and the importance of the people of God observing it joyfully and from the heart taking delight in it. A very beautiful passage that we will soon read. Genesis chapter 2 Verses 1 through 3, give your attention now to God's inspired word. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day, and he made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Now let us go to Isaiah chapter 58. We'll read the whole chapter. The very end of it uh, does conclude with some remarks about the Sabbath. Isaiah the prophet is told to cry aloud and to not hold back. Lift up your voice, he is told, like a trumpet. Declare to my people their transgression. The, The job of the Old Testament prophets was a difficult one. Often they were called to proclaim and to declare the transgressions or sins of the people to the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways as if they were a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the judgment of their God. They ask of me righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to God, the people of God. They ask, why have we fasted and you not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? And God replies back to them saying, behold, here's the problem. In the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure and oppress all your workers. Behold, you fast, you you go through the ritual of fasting, only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with a wicked fist. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice to be heard on high. Is such the fast that I choose, a day for a person to humble himself? Is it to bow down his head like a reed and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this a fast and a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the fast that I choose, to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? Then shall your light break forth like dawn. In other words, when you stop going through the motions... And truly fast before me, and truly come to me to worship me. Uh, Then the Lord will cause your light to break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry, and He will say, Here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger, and the speaking wickedness, if you pour yourself out for the hungry, and satisfy the desire of the afflicted. Then shall your light rise in the darkness, and your gloom be as the noonday. And the Lord will guide you continually, and satisfy your desire in scorched places, and make your bones strong, and you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. And your ancient ruin shall be rebuilt. You shall rise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, 
the restorer of the streets to dwell in. And here is where the prophet gives attention to the Sabbath day. If you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going your own ways, or seeking your own pleasure, or talking idly, then you shall take delight in the Lord, and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Thus far the reading of God's holy word. May the Lord bless the preaching of it now. Dear brothers and sisters, what I have taken seven sermons to say concerning the biblical doctrine of the Sabbath, our confession of faith says in one succinct paragraph. It's very helpful. Uh, The Second London Confession, chapter 22, paragraph 7, says this regarding the Sabbath day. As it is the law of nature, that in general a proportion of time by God's appointment be set apart for the worship of God, so by His word and a positive, moral, and perpetual commandment binding on all men in all ages, He hath particularly appointed one day in seven for a Sabbath to be kept holy unto Him which from the beginning of the world, from the time of creation, to the resurrection of Christ was the last day of the week, the seventh day, which is, uh, but, excuse me, from the resurrection of Christ was changed into the first day of the week, which is called the Lord's Day, and is to be continued to the end of the world as the Christian Sabbath, the observation of the last day of the week, being abolished. I hope that you have grown convinced if you were not convinced already, that this is indeed what the Scriptures teach concerning uh, the Sabbath day. Uh, The Sabbath is as old as creation. The Sabbath has been kept by the people of God from Adam to this present day and will be till the end of the world. Prior to Christ's finished work, the Sabbath was to be kept on the seventh day, indicating that there was work to be accomplished if man was to enter into God's rest, which is the thing that the Sabbath day symbolizes. From the resurrection of Christ to the end of the world, the Sabbath day is to be kept on the first day of the week, also called the eighth day in Holy Scripture, indicating that the work has been finished by Christ, who is the second Adam, that He has entered into rest and that all who are in Him will enter that rest when He comes again. I have labored to to demonstrate to you that what our confession puts very succinctly and briefly is what the Scriptures do indeed teach. It has taken time, hasn't it? to go from Genesis to Revelation and to pick up what the Bible says concerning the Sabbath day as we have gone along. Uh, Today I will cease from the work of convincing you that this is what the Scriptures teach concerning the Sabbath day, but I'm going to enter into another kind of work, that is the work of, of application. So I hope that you are convinced that the Lord's Day Sabbath is to be kept holy unto the Lord, but now the question that we must ask is, how are we to keep it? What does it look like for the people of God to keep uh, the Sabbath day, the Lord's Day Sabbath, holy? And this is what paragraph 8 of chapter 22 of our confession addresses uh, when it says this, The Sabbath is then kept holy unto the Lord when men, 
after a due preparing of their hearts and ordering their common affairs aforehand, beforehand, do not only observe a holy rest all day from their own works and words and thoughts about their worldly employment and recreations, but are also taken up the whole time in public and private exercises of his worship and also in the duties of necessity and mercy. It is my conviction not only that the Sabbath uh, is rightly summarized by our confession in paragraph 7, the doctrine of the Sabbath, but also the application of it is correct here as articulated by chapter 22 of our confession, paragraph 8. I, I believe this is a wonderful summary of the teaching of Holy Scripture. And I want you to notice a number of things uh, concerning our observation of the Sabbath day. First of all, notice that our confession urges men and women, boys and girls, to prepare to keep the Sabbath day holy. In other words, keeping the Sabbath day holy does require preparation. Uh, the Sabbath is then kept holy unto the Lord, the confession says, when men, after a due preparing of their hearts and ordering of their common affairs aforehand, so on and so forth. To honor the Sabbath day, to keep it holy, requires a preparation. I think this should be obvious to us. You cannot just wake up on a Sunday morning and say, I'm going to keep the Sabbath day holy if we have not prepared beforehand. First of all, to keep the Sabbath holy unto the Lord, it's necessary to have your life in order. If your life is in disarray, if you are not taking care of the business of life on the other six days of the week leading up to the Sabbath day, you're not going to be able to keep the Sabbath day holy unto the Lord very well at all. I think it is so important for us to be diligent in our work on the other six days of the week so that we might honor the Sabbath day. Uh, this principle of the Sabbath, the doctrine of the Sabbath, not only has to do with the Sabbath day and our rest on it, but it actually dictates that we work hard, that we work diligently, that we work consistently the other six days of the week to the glory of God. In order to honor the Sabbath day, we must be very diligent in our work, whatever that work may be, so that we might actually cease from it, that we might actually put it up and rest on the Sabbath day to give attention to the Lord. Careful planning is also needed. I would urge you, brothers and sisters, to plan well as individuals, as families, uh, so that you plan to keep the Sabbath day holy. Once you are convinced of this doctrine that the Sabbath day is to be kept holy, it should really cause you to orient the whole of life around it. Why do you exist? You exist to give glory to God to worship His holy name. How are you to worship Him? Well, in the whole of life. Yes, it is true. Go to work and give glory to God through your work, whatever kind of work that may be. But in particular, God does call us to rest and to worship one day out of seven. And once we have been convinced of that, we realize that on Monday morning, we should wake up with our minds directed towards not just Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday, not even Friday evening, as much as people love Fridays because it's the last day of our work week in this culture, typically. But we should direct our minds on Monday morning to what? The next Sabbath day, the Lord's day. We should have it in our minds that I am going to be diligent in my work and I'm going to carefully plan and prepare so that I might worship the Lord once again in holiness according to to His Word. We must be diligent in our work. We must be careful in our planning. This even came to mind. We should be careful with our finances too. I think some people struggle to keep the Sabbath day holy, to cease from the work because they have been so burdened by debt. 
that they feel as if they cannot stop from working lest they fall behind in being able to pay their bills. They've overextended themselves, and so they have this pressure of always needing to earn more money. And so the boss says, you can work some overtime on Sunday if you want. And then the temptation is exceedingly strong. I I really need to do it. But it is because perhaps you have overextended yourself uh, financially. Prepare also to say no to those activities not fitting for the Sabbath day. Uh, brothers and sisters, it is very difficult to honor the Sabbath day in our culture. Very difficult. No one else is doing it. And when I say no one else, I mean certainly the non-believing world could give a rip about the Sabbath day, uh, the Lord's day. They do not honor it. So constantly the boss will be offering you work. So and so will be inviting you to this thing or that. The coach on the soccer team will be saying, we have a tournament on Sunday. We'd love it if your kids can participate. And it is difficult. It takes courage, actually. It it takes resolve to actually say to that coach, I'm sorry, but my kids cannot participate. And I would urge you to even tell him why. It is our conviction that God is to be worshipped on Sunday. Uh, That we're to come and we're to worship God uh, because we have faith in Christ. We honor the Sabbath day as holy. You have to prepare, therefore, to actually say no to those activities not fitting for the Sabbath day. Our culture does not encourage this, and and even other Christians do not. Even good Christian friends might distract you from honoring the Sabbath day as holy, and you need to be prepared to say no uh, to to the things that they bring before you, that they want for you to participate in. And so preparation needs to be made. We need to have our life in order in order to properly observe the Sabbath day and to keep it as holy. And also to keep the Sabbath holy unto the Lord, it is necessary to have our hearts prepared. We need to have our hearts prepared to come to worship on the Lord's day and to give God worship from the heart. I think it is important for us to begin to prepare for worship on Saturday night. According to the Jewish custom, when did the day begin, brothers and sisters, except on sundown, Uh, what we would call the day before. Our day begins and ends at midnight. But for the Jew and for the Old Covenant people of God, the day began at sundown. And I would encourage you to perhaps follow that practice. Uh, What you decide on this is up to you. But I think there is great benefit to actually watching the sun set on Saturday night and then to go into this mode, I'm going to prepare my heart for the Sabbath day. This would Uh, be a good time, perhaps, to read the scripture text uh, for the sermon that is going to be preached the next day, if you know it. Uh, Sometimes I do inform you ahead of time, or you can guess. But open the Word of God on Saturday night and begin to read. Gather your family around and read with them. Pray Uh, on, on Saturday night. I hope that you pray every night. But pray on Saturday night, and one of the things that you should pray for, Lord, prepare my heart so that I might worship you aright tomorrow morning when I awake. You know, Lord, bless the church. As the church gathers, bless whoever is preaching the word of God. Lord, may you be worshipped truly uh, tomorrow as we awake. It is a good time to prepare for Lord's Day worship. Uh, Go to bed on time on Saturday night. Some of you come late to church and you come in uh, not quite awake. And there may be many reasons for that, some that you cannot control. I, I acknowledge that. But maybe it is that you've stayed up way too late on a Saturday night. You have not prepared to get up and to give God your best on Sunday morning. Wake up early enough on a Sunday morning to come to worship on time and without being frantic 
I've often heard Christians say that some of the most stressful moments in the week are in those moments leading up to the worship service. You know, everybody in the family starts to fight with one another. It's hectic and frantic in the house. It, it should not be that way. The evil one does like to get in, doesn't he, and to disrupt things. But I would encourage you to go to bed early on a Saturday night, early enough to wake up early on a Sunday morning, and to just calmly, in a calm, cool, and collective sort of way, come to church. Come early and sit and relax and begin to prepare for the worship of God. And then as you come, come to worship with thankful, worshipful hearts ready to receive the Word of God. Again, the evil one does like to get in and to cause trouble, and I have found particularly on Sunday mornings. The evil one would love nothing more than to disrupt the worship of God and to disrupt the church of God. And when is he going to be on the move, perhaps, except on Sunday morning, the most, there he is trying to distract you, trying to discourage you, trying to get you to stay home because you're angry with so-and-so now, perhaps even your spouse, I don't know. But instead, press through, brothers and sisters, and fight for uh, the proper attitude to come to worship with thankful hearts, worshipful hearts, ready to receive uh, the Word of God. And so we must prepare. Our life must be in order, so too our hearts must be prepared for worship on the Sabbath day. Our confession urges it, and I think it is right that it does. Secondly, notice that our confession urges men and women and boys and girls to, in fact, rest, or that is, to cease, from worldly employments and recreations on the Sabbath day. To honor the Sabbath day, we must actually rest or cease from worldly employments and recreations on the Sabbath day. Keeping the Sabbath holy requires that we cease from that which is common so that we might engage in that which is holy, that which is different and distinct. Our Christian, The Christian should observe a holy rest all day from their own works, words, and thoughts about their worldly employments and recreations, our confession says. The word worldly here does not mean sinful. Sometimes the scriptures use the word world or worldly in that way to describe something that is inherently sinful. But our confession is not using the word in that way. It is referring to those activities that have to do with life in this world. They are good activities. Uh, These worldly activities are otherwise good and they're appropriate on the other six days of the week, but they should be set aside on the Sabbath day, for the day is to be kept as holy unto the Lord. The Sabbath day is to be approached as a day that is distinct and different. It is a holy day, a day set apart for a particular kind of activity. The Lord's Day Sabbath is not a day for common work, ordinary work, worldly work. Uh, Yes, God's will is that we work diligently for His glory, but we are to cease from our work on the Sabbath day to engage in a different kind of work, a different kind of activity. In Deuteronomy 5.12, we find the fourth of the Ten Commandments. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy, as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. It is good that you do your work to the glory of God. But the seventh day, under the Old Covenant, and the first day under the New is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, says Deuteronomy 5.12. The people of God are to rest from their worldly or common employments on the Sabbath day, and they are to acknowledge their God. They are to worship Him, and they are to demonstrate their faith in Him 
that he will provide for all of their needs. There is something about ceasing from work and giving attention to God under the worship of God that says, I'm putting down my work, trusting that you are going to provide for me, Lord. You're going to provide for all of my needs. And I want for you to notice also, brothers and sisters, what I'm about to say to you might be controversial, uh, but I need to say it anyways. I want for you to notice that the fourth commandment continues on in Deuteronomy 5.14. After saying on it, you shall not do any work, the text also says, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant, or your ox, or your donkey, or any of your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates, that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. So I do wish that Christians would think more carefully about this portion of the fourth commandment. I think you agree that you are to cease from your labors on the Lord's Day Sabbath, But not only does the fourth commandment command you to cease from your ordinary labors, but it also forbids having others work in your place. In other words, no parent, it is not right for you to rest on the Sabbath day, but to make your children work, right, in your place. That's obvious. It was not right for the Israelite to rest, but to have their servants or the foreigners in their midst work in their place. What did God say to the Israelites? You're not getting the point of the day. This this day is a day for rest universally. So all ought to rest. Do not be surprised when those who have no faith do not rest. But certainly you, the people of God, should not be involved in activities that are causing others to to, to work and not rest on the Lord's Day Sabbath, even if they have no faith themselves. So do not rest, Israelite, but yet cause the foreigners to work because they do not have the faith that you have, or the sojourner. But promote rest, not only amongst yourself and amongst your family, but amongst all others also. Do not have others work in your place. The Israelites were even to give rest to their beasts of burden on the Sabbath day. Do you notice that in the fourth commandment? Um, Their oxes and donkeys, they had no faith. They didn't understand what the Sabbath day was. But even rest was to be promoted amongst the beasts of burden. Rest was to be promoted amongst animals and men. Now, granted, we do not live in Old Covenant Israel. We live as exiles in Babylon instead, don't we? But I'm asking you, doesn't the principle still apply? If we are truly concerned to honor the Sabbath day, wouldn't we want to keep it ourselves and also encourage others to keep it also? Encouraging others to honor the Sabbath day is another way of saying encouraging others to have faith in Christ and to give glory to the God who made them. We should honor it ourselves, and I think we should encourage others to keep it as well. Put differently, if you have truly been convinced of this doctrine that the first day of the week is now the Sabbath day, then why doesn't it grieve you to see others working on this day? Shouldn't it? To to watch others go on with their ordinary worldly employment or to watch others consumed with recreations on the Sabbath day. Shouldn't that grieve your heart because it is in fact a declaration, a demonstration of the fact that they do not believe in Christ and they do not regard their maker, their creator. It should grieve us. Uh, Their work on the Sabbath day is essentially that, a denial of God as creator and Christ as redeemer. And I am asking, why would you want to have anything to do with causing that person 
to work on the Sabbath? Why would you want to stand across from them at the register knowing that in that moment it is your business that has them working instead of resting and worshiping on the Sabbath day? Who knows that perhaps that person is a brother or sister in Christ who wants badly to have the day off but is being forced to work by their employer in part because of the decisions that fellow Christians are making concerning um, their patronage of that, that place in that moment. It seems rather inconsistent to me. And so, brothers and sisters, I'm encouraging you to do your shopping and your eating out Monday through Saturday so that you might honor the Sabbath day yourself and encourage it amongst others also. That is what I am putting before you now. I'm encouraging you to fill up your car with gas on Saturday to change uh, the shipping settings on Amazon so that deliveries are not made on the Lord's Day. Did you know that you could do that? Uh, for a while there, I noticed that Amazon, they're, they're delivering on Sundays. I'm saying, when did this begin? You know, And I fished around a little bit, and you could say, I'd rather not have deliveries made on Sunday. I'm saying that we should not participate in the sins of others by causing them to work for us on the Sabbath day whenever possible. The fourth commandment seems rather clear on this point. And I can hear the critics now um, it's the same old accusation. Well, that's legalism. That's legalism. And I'm asking, is it? Or is it simply a cons- consistent application of God's holy law? And so I am urging you to think about it, friends. I'll leave it to you to decide. I know that great, good Christian men and women differ on this point of application. In fact, there are many who would reply back to me saying, well, they're going to be working anyways, no matter if I'm there or not. And in fact, this helps me to rest. Now I don't have to prepare the meal myself, etc., etc. And some do argue uh, this way. And and no, I'm not going to be following uh, you after church to see if you go out to eat or to the store. And in fact, I do think we need to be very gracious uh, with one another in this regard. Um, but, But as your pastor, I've grown convicted of this and I feel obligated to put it before you. Perhaps we should not be doing business on the Sabbath day. Instead, we should be promoting rest and worship amongst ourselves as well as others. And I will also admit that it's taken my family some time to come to this conclusion. Uh, But by in large, whenever possible, I would encourage you to rest and to cease from also causing others to rest for you on the Lord's Day Sabbath. It seems to be what the fourth commandment is calling for, and this seems to be a consistent application of the doctrine of the Sabbath. The, The Lord's Day Sabbath is not a day for common work, and neither is it a day for recreation. If you thought what I just said was controversial, wait till what you hear now. (laughs) I'm stepping on the toes of our culture here, I think. It's not a day for common work, and neither is it a day for recreation. I do not believe that our confession, nor the scriptures, uh, which the confession is a summary of, is forbidding you from playing catch with your kid on the Sabbath day. That's not the idea. I do not believe that our confession is forbidden you from taking a bike ride or a hike with the family on the Sabbath day when it, was say, when it is saying, cease from your worldly recreations. Uh, the point, though, is that the Sabbath day is not a day for work, nor is it a day for recreation. Recreation is not the purpose of the Sabbath day. The, the purpose of the Sabbath day is not God saying to you, you know, you really look like you need a break. And I think the best thing for you would be to to skip out on church today and to go 
play around a golf because you need to be refreshed. You know? that, that's not the purpose of it. It is a day for you, for your good, for your benefit, instituted at creation, for the good of man to be blessed in that day. That is all true. But the best thing for man is that man come to God and worship him as he has prescribed in his word. Uh, to rest from ordinary labors, ordinary recreation, to give special attention to God and to things of God uh, so that the life of the man might be oriented to God uh, once more. I do not believe that the confession is speaking against any form of recreation like playing catch or going on a hike or taking a bike ride. But we have to be careful that our day does not grow consumed with, with recreation. I think it is common for Christians all over this country to, to go to church for an hour and then to turn on the NFL and to watch it for the rest of the day. You know? And I think some, something is wrong there. We're kind of missing the point of it. This is the Lord's day. It is a day for us to give attention to our God uh, the whole day. And wisdom is needed here. Certainly we would be missing the point if we allowed the Lord's day to be consumed by golf, the NFL, NASCAR, whatever it is. I think we're missing the point if we're allowing the day to be consumed by those things. But it may also be that playing catch with the kids or going on a bike ride or taking a hike could help to promote the actual purpose of the day. That is to give attention to God, to engage with others, to talk, to converse about the things of God. It may be that activities such as those would be appropriate for the day if they are being engaged in for the purpose of promoting the purpose of the day. You're beginning to see, no doubt, how difficult and unpopular keeping the Sabbath day holy is in this culture. There are so many things in our culture that will pull us and pressure us to forsake the day, and yet the Christian should be resolute. The Christian should be resolute. Not legalistic in these things as the Pharisees were, but resolute, saying this is God's holy law. And because we have been born again by the power of the Holy Spirit, because that law has now been been written on our hearts by the regenerating power of the Holy Spirit, we are going to keep this law out of our love for God, out of our love for one another. Thirdly, notice that our confession urges men and women, boys and girls, to worship publicly and privately on the Sabbath day. Worship is, in fact, the central activity of the Sabbath day. God is to be worshipped by His people on the Lord's day. Uh, Remember that the Sabbath has always been a day for holy convocation. It is the day on which the people of God are to convene to worship. I will not go over the argument for this. I've done this previously. But remember that. It is a day for holy convocation. We are to worship publicly. We are to gather together to give worship to God. Are you coming to worship with your hearts prepared? Are you engaging in worship faithfully, heartily, sincerely? The scriptures do command us to to worship God through our singing. Ephesians 5.19 says that we are to address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with our heart. We should come and sing from the heart. I, I do wish that our singing was louder, brothers and sisters. By the way, I, I, I would love to hear that, just for our singing to be very loud, for it to be hearty, for it to be sincere. Uh, I love our singing. I really do. But let's sing to the Lord uh, more earnestly and sincerely. Worship God through your prayers also. The Sabbath day is a day to give thanks to God. Indeed, every day is a day to give thanks to God, but we are called to give thanks especially on the Sabbath day. We are to worship God through hearing and applying the Word of God. We are to worship God through the observation of the Lord's Supper. These are the things that we do when we gather together for public 
worship and how important it is for us to continue in private worship after the public worship concludes. I'll read again the words of Chrysostom, who lived from 347 to 407 A.D. I quoted this a couple of weeks ago, but I thought it would be fitting again to to read this quote. In the 4th century A.D., he was urging Christians to continue with private worship after the public worship of God was concluded. He says, For we ought not, as soon as we retire from the communion, to plunge into affairs unsuitable to the communion, but as, as soon as we get home to take our Bible into our hands and to call our wife and children to join us in putting together what we have heard and then, not before, engage in the business of life. When you retire from the communion, you must account nothing more necessary than that you should put together the things that have been said to you. Yes, for it were the utmost folly while we give up five or six days to the business of life not to bestow on spiritual things so much as one day, or rather, no no so much as a small part of one day. Therefore, let us write it down as an unalterable law for ourselves, for our wives and for our children, to give up this one day of the week entire to hearing and to the recollection of the things which we have heard. I think those are beautiful words. So come worship God publicly. Engage in our different forms of worship, the reading of the Word of God, prayer, the observation of the Lord's Supper, the singing of songs to the Lord and to one another. Let us engage in these things. And when you go on from this place, continue the conversation with those in your home. Put together, is what Chrysostom says. Put together the things that you have heard. Bring it all together and begin to recall it and apply it in your private life, in your conversations in the home. I would encourage you also, brothers and sisters, to find readings appropriate for the Sabbath day. Uh, Go to prayer in the evenings. Uh, Pray to Him. Talk of God within your homes. It is one of my objectives to suggest readings for the Sabbath day for you. It, It would be something good for me to do for my family, and I think something you would benefit from as well. Here are some good things that you can fix, fix your minds upon in the Lord's Day afternoon. Fourthly, notice that our confession urges men and women, boys and girls, to gain perspective on the Sabbath day. This is a day to gain perspective. The Sabbath day is a day to set the mind and heart upon God, upon Christ, and the world to come. Our confession is right to say that the Sabbath is to be kept holy unto the Lord. It's a day that is to be kept holy unto the Lord. It's a day to gain perspective. I want you to hear the words of the Apostle Paul when he wrote to the church in Colossae in chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. He's not directly addressing the issue of Sabbath keeping here, but listen to his exhortation. He says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Do you hear the exhortation? He is saying to the Christian, Do not be consumed and caught up with the things of this world, but lift your eyes up and have a heavenly mind, a heavenly perspective. Set your Set your eyes upon Christ, where He is now and where is He is in the heavenly realm, seated with God. And certainly He will come again. 
And as I said, Paul is not here addressing activities uh, unique to the Sabbath day. We are, of course, to do this always. But what I am saying is how appropriate it is to do this very thing on the Sabbath day, given, given what the Lord's Day Sabbath symbolizes and what it is to remind us of. This day is to remind us of Christ, crucified, risen, and ascended. This day is to remind us of the eternal rest that He has entered into, that He has earned. This day is to fix our minds upon the future when He will return and make all things new, when we will enter into the fullness of that rest. And so what a wonderful day it is for us to put away worldly work and worldly recreations and to set our minds upon Christ and the things that are above. It's a day to do this very activity as fitting. The Sabbath day is a day to do business with God. Uh, the Reformers actually referred to it as the market day of the soul. Have you ever heard that phrase? Um, evidently, in, 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 in the olden days, uh, there would be a, a market day. We have that here in the San Jacinto Valley. In fact, there's a couple of uh, street markets that, that, that come out on a Saturday or on a, on a Thursday, and, and you can go and you can buy some goods there. But they're not there the other days of the week. Only at that time are they there, and you can go and you can do business. You can transact uh, with them. But the Sabbath day is a market day for the soul. It's a day for us to cease from our labor so that we might do business with God, as it were, so that we might gain perspective, so that we might confess our sins, so that we might uh, feed our souls with the Word of God and the good things of God. I would like to encourage you actually to read something this evening. We don't have time to read it now. But read Psalm 92 this evening. And I want for you, when you read it, to notice the title of this psalm. The title is, A Song for the Sabbath. Isn't that interesting? It's a song for the Sabbath, a song to be sung on the Sabbath. And as you read Psalm 92 this evening, notice how the psalmist gains perspective, how the psalmist gives perspective. He ponders life, and what he ends up doing in this psalm is he considers the wicked, and he also considers the righteous. He's pondering this, this reality that in this world, the wicked often seem to flourish, and the righteous seem to suffer, Right? And that should bother us, you know, if we really think about it. Why is it this way that the, the wicked flourish and the righteous suffer? But as the psalm kind of unfolds, as it goes along, the psalmist helps us to set our minds on the things above and on things eternal. And the conclusion is that though the wicked might flourish now and the righteous suffer, it will not always be so. But God will make all things right in the end. It is a song for the Sabbath day. It is a psalm that helps us to gain perspective and to set our minds on the things above. Uh, this is very good to do on the Sabbath day. Fifthly, notice that our confession urges men and women, boys and girls, to do acts of mercy on the Sabbath day. It is a day appropriate for acts of mercy. Christ himself made this clear in his teachings. Remember, he was being criticized by the Pharisees, who were legalistic in their observation of the Sabbath day. He was being criticized by them for healing a man. Can you imagine it? Here Christ comes in and he, he heals someone with a withered hand, and, and they begin to murmur amongst themselves and to criticize him for doing work, so-called, on the Sabbath day. And how did Christ respond to them? Well, very clearly, he says, Which one of you who has a sheep, if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out? 
The answer is implied. You know you will do that kind of work. Why? Because it has to do with money, doesn't it? And, and you're going to save that animal, right? Because you love the animal so much. No, because it's going to cost you something. You, you, you're going to save that life on the Sabbath day. Of how much more value is a man than a sheep? Here is the conclusion that Jesus gives. So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. And that is what I am saying. It is good to do good, it is good, to do good on the Sabbath day. It is good to do acts of mercy on this day. The Sabbath day is a wonderful day for doing acts of mercy. Visit the sick on the Sabbath. Go to the hospital and visit that brother or sister in Christ who is there in that place. Show hospitality on the Sabbath day. Have people into your home and, and, and serve them food and, and visit uh, around the table with them. Show hospitality on the Sabbath day. Do that for everyone, you know, whether or not they are in need, but maybe especially for those who are struggling. Say, would you come over and allow us to serve you lunch? We can have fellowship together. You can enjoy a meal with us. It is a wonderful day for showing hospitality. By the way, does it require work to show hospitality? Yes. Have you ever done it? you got to clean the house. Hopefully you can do that Friday or Saturday and you know prepare. But there's always something else to to tidy up before the guests come. Have you ever prepared a meal? It takes a lot of work to do so. And then there's a mess after the meal. You have to clean it up. Is it work? Yes, it's work to show hospitality. But it is a, the kind of work that is appropriate for the Sabbath day. You're doing something kind. You're showing mercy to someone. It, it, it is appropriate work for the Sabbath day. We are not urging or encouraging idleness. That's not the point of it. The point is cease, rest, from common work, from ordinary work, from ordinary recreation, so that you might engage in a different kind of work. The work of worship, public and private. The work of mercy. Help those who are in need on the Sabbath day. Also, you are free to do acts of necessity. Our confession permits men and women, boys and girls, to do acts of necessity on the Sabbath day. There are simply activities that are necessary for life, and are permitted on the Lord's Day Sabbath. And so, as I have already suggested, it is right for you to prepare meals on the Sabbath. It's an act of necessity. I think it is right for you to clean up from those meals on the Sabbath day. It's an act of necessity. It may be that you find other activities that are just simply necessary, and you're free to engage in them on the Sabbath day. But in my experience, it is very easy to misuse this principle that I'm now setting before you and to begin to call activities that are simply convenient necessary. You understand what I'm saying. Um, Everything becomes an act of necessity if we are not careful. No, we are talking about those things that are truly necessary. Engage in them and do not feel guilty about it. But in truth be told, if we were more careful in our preparations, we would be required to do less and less necessarily on the Sabbath day. Lastly, I want to acknowledge that there are some difficult cases that will arise um, when determining what activities are right and lawful to be done on the Sabbath day. It may be that your profession actually involves doing acts of mercy or necessity. And in such cases, uh, you do not violate the Sabbath when you work on the Lord's day. I have in mind here emergency room doctors and nurses and staff It is necessary for them to work on the Sabbath day, to go on with their common employment. I have in mind police officers. Uh, For some reason, the criminals don't honor the Sabbath day. I don't understand it. 
so our police officers must work, uh, those who are in the military also. I even have in mind those of you who are water district employees. I spoke with one of you uh, uh, last week uh, out on call because of a really large burst pipe threatening property. It was good for you, brother, uh, to go. You know who you are. Everyone else knows who you are, too, probably. It was good for you to go out on that call and to do that work on the Lord's Day Sabbath. It was right. My recommendation to those of you who are employed in professions such as these, right, if your profession involves doing acts of mercy or necessity, my recommendation for you is to ask for the day off, though, and to take the day off as much as possible, you know. It can be very easy, I think, for those who are engaged in this sort of work to just not even ask. You know, maybe, in fact, you're being offered a, a higher uh, rate of pay because you're willing to work on Sundays. See, see how tempting this is? is? Are you permitted to work on the day? Well, yes, but are you trying to get it off at all so that you might gather together with the people of God to give worship to God? I would urge you to try to get it off as much as possible. Don't be seduced by the promise of overtime or extra pay. And if you must work, then I would encourage you to be mindful of the Sabbath day as much as possible while you go about your work. Be mindful of the fact that this is the Lord's day. Your heart should be here with us, worshiping God. If you're able to listen to the sermon, right, engage with brothers and sisters later in the afternoon when you're able. Make it a day special and holy as much as possible if you're engaged in this kind of, of work. And so this is a difficult case that needs to be addressed, and I have just addressed it. But I must say that I do also have sympathy for those whose employers insist that they work on the Lord's day, even though their work is not associated with things of necessity and mercy. Do you know what I'm addressing here? I have in mind here restaurant and, and coffee shop workers, you know, etc. those sorts of things. Is it an act of necessity? Well, for those addicted to caffeine, I, you know, maybe... They would consider it such, right? It's necessary that Starbucks be open on Sunday. No, it's not an act of necessity or mercy. Um, but there are those who find themselves in this situation where though the work does not involve things necessary or acts of mercy, their, their, their employers just insist that they work on that day. And there is some sympathy in my heart for those in a situation such as that. Uh, because we do not live in Old Covenant Israel or in a society that has respect for the Sabbath day, Christians do run into difficulties like this. Employers will sometimes insist that you work on Sundays. Here would be my advice to you. First of all, make it clear to your employer that, this, that, that it is your religious conviction to honor the Lord's day. Make it clear to your employer. It is my religious conviction that that I am to honor the Lord's day, that I am to rest on this day and give worship to God. And I am telling you, this takes courage, doesn't it? To say something like that to an employer. What are you fearful of? Well, I'm going to get fired. They're going to cut all of my hours. I won't have the work that I need. And, and add to that just the, the simple uh, fear associated with you being bashful about your faith. It requires faith to say something like this to an employer. It's my religious conviction that I'm to honor the Lord's day. Would you give it off? Uh, would you give me the day off? Two... If your employer consistently makes you work on the Lord's Day, even though you have asked for it off, I would advise you to start looking for another job quietly. Just to go about the business of, of looking for another line of work, some job that will not insist upon you working on the Lord's Day. And three, if no other job can be found, 
And if you simply cannot afford to quit that job, I would have a hard time viewing you as a breaker of the Sabbath. I, I bet you a lot of people would disagree with what I just said right there. But here I think my pastor's heart is coming out. I hope so. People do find themselves in very difficult situations sometimes. If the economy is bad and there's not a lot of work available and all of a sudden a Christian finds themselves in a situation like that, legitimately no other job opportunities, legitimately cannot afford to cut back at all or to to lose this job, I have sympathy with those who are in a situation uh, like that. I would encourage you to consistently and honestly look for a solution, but I wonder if this would not be considered an act of necessity to work on the Sabbath to provide, truly provide for yourself and or your family when truly no other option is available to you. I've thought often of the Christians who were slaves to the Romans in the days of the early church. I would imagine that some of them were not allowed to rest and worship for the whole day on the Lord's day, and yet I doubt that the Lord viewed them as guilty as if they were Sabbath breakers. Are you following along with me here? They they were in a difficult place working for pagans, to to use that that term, working for for non-believers. They had no way out of that situation. They were made to work on the Lord's day. I doubt the Lord saw them as Sabbath breakers. In my experience, however, the Lord usually does provide a way usually does provide a way. Employers are actually uh, willing, in my experience, to work with those who have religious convictions, even if they are not believers themselves. I've found this to be true even in our society. Uh, There's something about it where even those who are not of the faith tend to have some level of respect for those who are faithful. Uh, And so ask for the day off, and the Lord usually does provide a way out. Employers are usually willing to work with those who have religious convictions, and if not, Other job opportunities do usually present themselves. Uh, I I do trust that the Lord will provide for you. But the point is this, brothers and sisters, let us do everything in our power, truly, honestly, to keep the Sabbath day holy unto the Lord. Let me conclude by reading, uh, not our confession, uh, but from our Baptist catechism, uh, which we teach to our children and which we are teaching to ourselves. Uh, Question 63 of the Baptist Catechism asks, What is required in the fourth commandment? The answer is, The fourth commandment requireth the keeping holy to God one whole day in seven to be a Sabbath to himself. 64. Which day of the seven hath God appointed to be the weekly Sabbath? The answer, Before the resurrection of Christ, God appointed the seventh day of the week to be the weekly Sabbath, and the first day of the week ever since, to continue to the end of the world, which is the Christian Sabbath. And then, Question 65, how is the Sabbath to be sanctified? Answer, the Sabbath is to be sanctified by a holy resting all that day, even from such worldly employments and recreations as are lawful on other days, and spending the time in the public and private exercises of God's worship, except so much as is to be taken up in the works of necessity and mercy. Would you bow together with me for prayer? Our Father in heaven, we do thank you for your holy word. Uh, You have called us to worship you, and you have also told us how we are to worship you. Uh, One day in seven is to be set apart unto you as holy. Father, it is in this day that we are blessed as we honor it. Father, I do pray that you would help us to delight in the Sabbath day as Isaiah the prophet urged in Isaiah chapter 58. Lord, help us to delight 
in the Sabbath day, to look forward to it, to savor it, Lord. May we truly rest on this day. May we set our minds on you and on Christ and on the things that you are doing in this world and in our own hearts. May we set our minds upon our future hope that Christ has secured. Father, help us more and more to honor the Sabbath day. Lord, uh, first of all, so that we might simply be obedient to you and to your law, but beyond that, so that we might be blessed, Lord. I pray that your church would be strengthened as we use this day to worship you and to gain a heavenly and eternal perspective. Father, strengthen us more and more each day. Help us to live in obedience to your word for your glory and for our good also. That's in the name of Christ we pray and all of God's people say, Amen.